You know you're on Long Island when your mom has a beach-themed bathroom. With the stick-ons on the walls. And the seashells everywhere. If it doesn't have sand in the bathroom, you're not here. (laughs) Hey, welcome to another episode of Pod for the Planet, the best podcast for discussion about the environment, politics, and our society today. Today, we're going to be talking about our experiences growing up on Long Island, and we have some special guests with us. My name is Amelia. My name is Justin. My name is Abby, but you know me. And you know who I am. So let's just get into it. So. <laughs> so. I've, Emmy Lou's barking again. Bork, bork, bork. Flag on this play. Do you think? penalty. First down. Is that football? Yeah, it was a football joke. Do you know football? No. <laughs> I, was like, I, I know one thing and one thing alone. Go Bills. That's Go it. Bills. Go Bills. So I've wanted to do... I don't do, think you can hear her. I've wanted to do this episode for a really long time because um, I feel like we've all had, all have a lot of hard opinions on Long Island. So where do we start? Abs? Long Island is long. The part is an island right off of New York City. It includes technically... Queens and Brooklyn, but that's not, not what we're talking about. Anyone in Queens and Brooklyn, they will be exactly. so mad. Queens and Brooklyn are geographically on an island that is long. That is fish shaped. But it's fish-shaped. not. But they're not part of Long Island. You know you're on Long Island. This is when going to get old. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know you're on Long Island when you see a bunch of Jeep Wranglers with the Carlton stickers on the back. Salt life, bro. Salt, Salt life. life. Salt. And the, and the Long Island life. shape, but it's like fishbone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, those yeah, yeah, yeah. Sprinkled with a little bit of racism. Uh, Ooh, comfortable foreshadowing. sprinkling of racism. I think it's important to note that I grew up in a different part of Long Island than these three fools. There are two counties on Long Island. One is closer to New York City. That's Nassau County. That's me. That's where Justin's from. And then one is closer to the Hamptons and the East End, which is Suffolk. Suffolk County. Also, 631. there's a very distinct accent, and I think only Justin has it a little bit. No. I'll slip into it. I, the other I day, do slip into it sometimes. Uh, I do. I'm I was guilty. At the, not the other day. This was So the day before today? What is that day, Justin? You're not going to get me. Okay. Yesterday? <laughs> he goes, making fun of me. Um, <laughs> making fun of me. I was I was back on Long Island for like 15 seconds. Like I'd literally driven from New York. New York isn't the city. We're all in New York. To Long Island and stepped into the hair salon. And I was like, it's crazy in here around the holidays. Jesus. The hair salon. The hair salon. And the accent just comes back thick. Thick, thick with three C's. So my mom grew up in Brooklyn, and my and Eileen and like my cousins and stuff live in Nassau County. So I, when I see family, sometimes slip right back into that like being loud. And I'm I'm Jewish and Italian, so it's like which is like it's in my mood. blood. That's Ev- like Long Island. Everyone who is from Long Island, even if you're not Jewish and Italian, you're a little Jewish and Italian. Yeah, we're not we all Jewish say, or Italian, but Mazel we tov. might as well be. And yet Mazel we tov. all say. Yiddish words. All I the didn't time. know some of the words I say. I didn't know were Yiddish until I went to college, and people were like, "What do you mean, what? Ajda?" And I was like, "That's <laughs> Italian, isn't it? That's, That's Italian. Yeah, Ajda's Ajda's Italian. Italian. My mom. I told my friend. I said, "You got some schmutz on your face," and she was like, "You got schmutz. some what?" And I was like, "You got some schmutz." And she was like, what? And I was like, you got some <laughs> shit on your face. <laughs> you got some damn shit on your face. That was one of my favorite things growing up, was that my mom would 
pepper in Yiddish words, and I feel like I'm 20 now, and she still finds a way to throw new ones at me. Yeah, and, and I'm like, like, "There's no way that that that's not that I've never heard this before." And she's like, "No, this is new." And I'm like, "What?" Wow. Our stepdad is from Nebraska, and he's lived in New York for like a d- two decades. A decade? Two de- no, more than a decade. Years, more than 20, 20 years. years. Since Melanie was in high school. Quite a, lo- a while now. We're saying um, a lot of names. Nobody knows who these <laughs> names are. He was, <laughs> he's lived here for quite some time and will still say words. And he's like, stop making stuff up. And we're like, no, it's a word. And we look it up and it's just Yiddish. Yeah. Um, Just surprise him. But while Long Island is trash, literally, our highest awesome. point is a pile of trash. That's well, not that's not our fault. We are on a glacial moraine. That's like a whole thing. It's very flat. However, our highest Tell point is our dump. Well, technically, a glacial moraine is just a uh, uh, pile uh, of rocks. It's 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 glacier trash. So it's deposit. Yeah. Wow. We are. I mean, at least we're not Staten Island. Hey. Well, that's true. <laughs> and, and it could be worse. We could be living in New Jersey. Hey. It's we still have to not be nicer Staten to New Jersey <laughs> because that's where we have to go if it gets flooded here. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, we can go upstate. Yeah, but we, it's gonna be crowded. We gotta go somewhere. It might we be New Jersey. All of upstate. Long Island swimming on the backs of Billy Joel over to Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> um, good night, Saigon. That's the sad one. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, another. Uh, qualifying feature of Long Island is how many goddamn people there are on this island. Too many goddamn people. There's so many people on this island. There's an absurd amount of people on a very trying, small spot, spot of land. Trying to get off of this island. You can't. Is, no is next to impossible. When I go back to school, I leave here at 4 a.m. and there are still a lot of cars on the road oh, getting yeah. off the island. Like, at least a couple hundred. And I'm like, this is crazy. The fun part is there's only like four options to get off the island. And then you have to, like, you cannot get anywhere without going over at least two bridges. Or I a keep ferry. telling my or parents, ferry. sell the house. Because when climate change strikes, they're stuck. It's going down. The best bet for them is to find someone with a boat. And that's not even a joke because there are so many people on this godforsaken Horrible island. Okay. Abby has I've been very, here for a really long time. Whoa, you've been home for a month. No, I'm okay. Leaving. You gotta get off, girl. I love I love Long Island for like the first five days I'm here and then I wanna Just murder. for the bagels. Yeah, and then I wanna murder the island itself. Um let's lay down some facts. Long Island has some of the best bagels, some of the best pizza. And some of the best Chinese food. And some of the Probably worst on the East people. Coast. And, and some, some of the, the best people. moms. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The, moms the moms are good. The moms, the moms are, good. are fantastic. Um, unless you're behind them at the grocery store. Oh, or like then the moms the are bad. That. Then it's like... Even, mm, if the, mm. even then, it's annoying, but sometimes they'll say something nice about your hair, and then I'm like, never Everyone's mind. Never mind, I love you again. Okay. <laughs> Everyone's mom on Long Island is also your mom. Yeah, you don't it belong to anybody. It's like a village situation. It's a collective. It takes a village. It takes a village. Some other of over a million people. Did you eat? Did you eat something today? Do you want something? You probably want something. Come here. You look hungry. You, you look, look hungry. You look skinny. No, you look no. Skinny. Did Men you eat? don't like a skinny woman. Did you eat? So while they're, <laughs> did you eat? Doing their best Long Island mom impersonations. That was a hundred percent. The I, thing is, it is a hundred percent accurate. When people do that, that is not 
an are exaggeration. Are you cold? Are you Did cold? You eat? Did you bring a jacket? Did you bring a jacket? Should have brought a jacket. You Do you have a, pack, a, like a pair of socks? Are you dating anybody? Do you have a boyfriend? Do you come from a nice family? family? Is he Italian? Is he Jewish? Okay. Is he a doctor? Is he, Is a, he doctor? a doctor? Oh, he's a lawyer. A lawyer. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I wonder how much of that bit we're going to keep. Yeah. I vote like I 98% like of it. I <laughs> just want it as my ringtone. <laughs> ah, oh, that's nice. That's nice. I can save that for you. We should talk a little bit about some of the major environmental issues that we've noticed. We all come from an environmental background, obviously. Um, I, and Yeah. I think some of my hostility for Long Island today comes because I, I really do, like, love Long Island. I feel like growing up, we were really fortunate to live somewhere with so much natural beauty. We lived right, it's a town called Bellport, and what you can deduce from the name, it's, like, right on the water. It's a, it used to be a port, um, and we grew up across from, like, a beautiful beach. Down our street was a bay. We went to a nature preserve for camp in the summer. Yeah, and we a had a woods camp. behind our house and a nature preserve that we could we bike to. We learned how to. to take ticks out real early. You learned how to, uh, tick check. Tick check. I can identify poison ivy from like a mile away. Yeah, and we were just like super fortunate to be surrounded by all of this natural beauty. And I think everyone on Long Island really is. Well, well I actually on your wouldn't. I, I, it's different. I think, and specifically growing up in Nassau County versus Suffolk True. County. I think that's a big, big difference because Nassau's filled. Like, it's filled. We're done. Filled it up. Right. There's no... Maximum there, occupancy. Ma- kind of. It's... It, there is, in my but there are experience... there parks. It's not yeah, like wilderness. The, the parks are, are they're lovely and they're nice, but they're all manicured. And, like, there's not as much active development. Like, like Nassau County's kind of maxed out as far as expansion goes. So it kind of is what it is. Um, and... But you would go to you. You went to the family home in Suffolk. We, my family was lucky in that my great grandfather bought land way out east on the north shore of Long Island, and he built a house out there in a town called Southhold. And I remember growing up as a kid, as that was like a natural wonder place because it was waterfront. We lived right on the cliff, um, and it was just something that was so far removed from home. Like, it was such a different different atmosphere. It was still, f- like, it still is farmland, and it's a lot of agriculture, but there's also, like, a lot of forested areas, and it's also a um, a seashore. Like, there's it's a seashore environment, and I think that was a big part of, like, growing up for me was the, the difference between the two areas. In addition, also, I kind of feel like Long Island has these, like, pockets of absolutely beautiful spaces, like we have some of the nicest she- seashores in the entire United States. Fire Island National Seashore is fantastic. Right. But then it's like there's also like eight thousand strip malls. Yeah, and but then there's also like Long Beach, which is developed Ugh. to a point where like the ocean's like, mm, no, we're gonna take back some. Like this it, is mine again. It's also important to note that Long Island is one of the most segregated racially and socioeconomically places in In the the United States. It is one of the most, it has not, it has basically not been unsegregated. No, it has not. The neighborhood I grew up in, I grew up just like 
five, ten minutes north of Abbey and Amelia uh, on the north side of the tracks in Bellport. Um, and it's a very different experience that the people have growing up in that neighborhood uh, because we lived in the shadow of the Brookhaven landfill that we were talking about before, like Trash Mountain. Um, and we lacked certain access to like the local beaches and stuff. Yeah. You'd have to like go farther to go to a nice beach. We didn't even like, and even so like we didn't live in Bellport village, but our family did. So we didn't have access to like the, the closest beach. Right. To us. We were because only residents can use that beach, which is bonkers. In, well, so the beach itself does not make money. Um, but our town that we grew up in, spent a lot of time and energy ensuring that only residents can use the town's amenities. The argument is because they pay higher taxes. However, the town is kind of dying, um, which is really upsetting. Kind of? It is. (laughs) Yeah. um, I mean, it's popping in the summer when people from the city are there, um, but a lot of the businesses can't survive past the summer season. A lot of the east end of Long Island is seasonal. Mm -hmm. So, like, all of the Hamptons are seasonal. Greenport is a good example of that as well. Yeah, Greenport is seasonal, so it just basically shuts down in the winter. But the people who actually live live there, there, the people who actually send their kids to the public schools, who who spend their money in the towns in the winter uh, oftentimes are not considered considered in the larger scheme of the towns because there's also a huge racial undertone to the way we've segregated like it's basically like they say it's because of taxes but it's also like it's so intertwined with race that it's impossible to ignore uh there's been a a weird pattern of development on Long Island where when you get to a certain point heading east on the island, I've noticed that you start to see the transition to, like, the farmland and the vineyards, and then you start to see more towards, like, the seasonal beach towns. And in between that, it's, like, small neighborhoods are starting to pop up of people who just, like, want to live out there because it's open area, it's cheaper than living closer to Nassau County, and it's become so difficult for people to do that for new developers to come in and like build affordable housing for people in that area because of like competing wants from like the summer tourists who are like no we love the natural environment the way it is we don't want other people moving in here and trying to well the whole system's sort of crumbling even like because of the way just like i think for a really long time it was really easy to like oppress people in that way but I think that the whole system is crumbling because young people don't have the money to live where their parents lived. Like people, this we, island is so expensive. It's so expensive. So even like the people who would traditionally like basically like the white kids can't afford to live in the white nice neighborhood anymore. And so now it's like the whole system is like the system of oppression is closing in on itself. Right. And then so our town, for instance, is being purchased up by people who just summer. Yep. They, they live in the city. They, they live in Europe. They have so much money. But then their their kids don't go to our public schools. I mean, I think they appreciate and like our town, but it's not sustainable. For three months, it's not the same thing. Yeah, it's not sustainable. And also, like, people actually live here. Um, yeah, which is a really... it's. It's it's really hard to watch it happen to somewhere you love, but also it needs 
change needs to be made on a a larger picture, I think. And part of it is that the politics are very, very conservative. I have an, a neat little bit quick on before oh, yeah. we before we leave uh, the housing and like basically modern segregation. There was uh, I don't remember who published the article. It was in a major news organization. It was an in-depth investigative journalism piece into the real estate market on Long Island, specifically a bunch of towns in Nassau County. One of the towns, Rockville Center, which is the town that I grew up in, um, was cited for having some of the worst... Oh, let me backtrack for a sec. <coughs> the investigative journalism piece went in and um, basically sent different people to realtors with the same budgets. Um, just It was different people of different races, and they would, um, the realtors would end up kind of encouraging encouraging um, the the people who were looking to buy into communities based solely on their race, not on right. um, their income. Because they would have two people with the same income. One of them would have been white mm -hmm. and another would have, would have been brown, black, or I'm not person sure. Of color, yeah. Just person of color. And they would, time after time, advise them the people of color not to live in towns like Rockville Center or stuff like that. And I think that was hugely problematic. And I think that comes down to just like the culture. the culture and the fact that it's been so long in Nassau County where the towns are just have these linear divides. For, mm -hmm. And for context, for those outside of Long Island, we live like between two hours to 20 minutes outside of New York City, anywhere on Long Island which is one of the most, like, liberal, diverse cities in the world. Um, but Suffolk County votes Republican in almost every election. Nassau doesn't. Nassau, Nassau doesn't, doesn't. But they're but, closer to the city. But they're closer to the city. But Suffolk, we have, we voted Trump, um, and we right. have a... I spent last summer, uh, well, not last summer, but the summer previous, canvassing all over Long Island uh, for an environmental nonprofit, and... In that driving ac all across the island for those couple of weeks, I got to, like, knock on a lot of doors and meet a lot of people and, like, try to tell a lot of people about environmental issues that, like, are super important to them specifically because it's, like, will directly affect them. And I got to see firsthand just how much of a conservative stronghold uh, Long Island has become, especially, like, in Suffolk County and in parts of Nassau County that's, like farther away from the city like the eastern more parts of it i also canvassed for a um democratic uh candidate for office not as i, I did it a couple of times but i mean there it's like you knock on the door and you say democrat and it's door slam i also found this is like kind of a smaller thing and i don't think that it people think about it being related to politics but it is like it is I think it's like from these people, there's a huge like aversion to environmental sustainability mm -hmm. and environmentalism. Like I've had like even from when we were kids, just like as kids, we were very involved in like, like especially Abby and I were like super involved in like being like recycling and like learning like the basic steps of sustainability. Lemonade outside of our mom's shop for polar bears. For polar bears when like, we found out. That the ice caps were melting. I we was were, not that woke. We were, we were really into kids. it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that's part of, like, well, we can talk more about, like, Brickhaven being one of the first places for, like, 
a big environmental regulate regulation but i remember as a kid being like talking to adults and being like you need to recycle and like adults being like oh like i'm not gonna recycle that's cute or just like being like well you should do this and i would be like i'm a kid i'm a kid you should recycle what's wrong with you yeah <laughs> like, and it, there was like even in high school like in the environmental club that we were in i would be like you should recycle that. And they would be like, ha ha, and throw it into the trash. I've had that happen in my office too. Right. And I'm like, who are you? And it's interesting because a lot of people, regardless of um, where they stand or where they say they stand politically, I think take a lot of pride in Long Island's natural beauty. Um, yeah. A lot of people are boaters, they're fishers, they're... Um, we even have hunters. We have people who are like birders, birders, and you know what would typically be seen as an environmentalist. You know, someone who clams every day. Like that's you are so connected. So, we love the beach. Like we salt love the life. beach, salt life, and like they're so. You know, you would think so in tuned with their natural environment, but yet feel so far away from the policy that affects that natural environment. So I had two great examples of conversations that I've had with random Long Islanders about that exact thing, like that disconnect about their actions and the environmental impacts. The first one, which was like something that's really influenced the way that I talk about environmental issues with everybody. Uh, I was at the doctor's office in Riverhead, with for my context, grandpa. Charles is the kind of person he'll talk to a doorknob. So. Yeah, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I, so I was I was at a doctor's office. This, I would never do this. <laughs> I, I Someone talks to me in public, I'm like, get away from me. <laughs> That's I, the New York way. I don't know who raised him, but here he is. I was at a doctor's office with my grandpa, and he went in to see the doctor, and I was sitting in the waiting room, and I was reading a National Geographic, and the guy sitting across from me was wearing, like, a uh, fisherman's hat and like just looked a bit dirty uh, and I was reading something about fisheries and this was just after my first semester of college and I had like learned a little bit about some fisheries and I asked him like what he did and he said that he was a fisherman just off of Montauk and he said that his dad did it and his dad before him did it and I asked him like what does he notice like changes over the past couple of years and he said well like I noticed that like it's become harder it's become really hard to like keep the business going because like we don't have enough fish and we were talking about just the issues with fisheries and stuff um and then on the way out I saw him again in the parking lot and I saw that on his truck there was a Trump and a MAGA sticker and I was so oh boy conflicted and I was just, I was really confused as to how I had just had this conversation with him. And it made me realize, I was like, it's difficult for people to sometimes see past their immediate place in the system. Mm-hmm. And having conversations about impacts and stuff, it's, it's super helpful to be able to contextualize it in a way that immediately affects them. Because at the end of the day, it's like, humans, we have this immediate cup of caring, like, we can only handle caring about so many things at one time before we get overloaded. Also, as far as that guy is concerned, like, there's been Democratic and Republican presidents, and he was like, Nets, the fish are still it's not the, here. The I don't know what's going happening. Away. Yeah. Exactly, and I, yeah. I think 
with Trump, and I hate to, like, justify, because I think also part of it is that people chose chose their race over, yeah, and chose white supremacy over their yeah profession, oh, for, anything for else. Sure. But also, I think that those hardships, like, instead of looking for solutions, it's easier cause to find someone to blame, and I think Trump gave them someone to blame. Oh, for sure. And I, I don't, like, I don't know. I think that... Like, I don't want to, like, excuse those people, but I also, like, have a level of sympathy for people who, like, are in a weird socioeconomic bracket where you're still, like, you're a poor person. Like, you don't make a lot of money. Mm -hmm. You don't, like, have the same resources as everybody else. And, like, you're, you're voting against your own interest, but you don't, but this person has given you, like, like, a scapegoat or hope. My other experience that has, like, really shaped this conversation for me uh, was uh, there's a huge issue on Long Island we all know about uh, nitrogen loading from uh, runoff runoff and stuff, fertilizers. It's causing algal blooms in and the major waterways. Sewers. And mm-hmm. in, yeah. So I when I was canvassing, I was also giving out information that the organization that I was working for, they were giving out, helping people get loans to get their cesspools replaced. Oh, my God, guys. We put so many cesspools on a place that floods. It is bonkers. I can't believe we've done this. (laughs) I was talking talking to another guy at his door about it, and I was telling about this program, and it's like, it was like a $10,000 loan or grant, or it was like a tax relief program thing that the state has, and I was was saying, like, in... And you can apply through it through your town. Yeah, exactly, and I was like, well, in the long run, I was trying to explain to him, like, all the issues with it, and he was just not understanding why... This matters, and I was like, "Well, you live pretty close to a beach. I mean, your property value is probably dependent upon like the tourism in the area. Like, that's like something that you should consider." And it was just a conversation where he was just not realizing the connection that his there immediate impact had. There are a ton of places on Long Island that are moving towards traditional infrastructure sewering because having poop engineer yes because poop, having poop, 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 <laughs> having like a septic system where as a septic system it would like return to the environment in a way that like you would eventually put into like a leaching field like sort of system doesn't work as well if you have a lot of flooding and our like groundwater Mm. we drink from the groundwater so like gross um poop water nasty Mm. and also it goes right into our estuaries and there's a lot of people who like there's a lot of reasons why you would do that um, and there's also, like, regulations that, like, townships have to hit. And if you go above it, you become, like, a, a like, a, a, like, you get looked at as a waterway and your waterway gets protected. It's, like, a whole thing. So a lot of towns are moving into sewering, like, their residential sections. And as part of, like, what I do, our, like, as a consulting firm, we went out and, like, asked people if they would get hooked up to the sewer. And people opted out of sewering which is wild to me but like people didn't want to be hooked up to sewers it's interesting was it free i think there was a they had to pay for some of it but it was a huge it was the cost was so much lower than replacing a septic tank what it's interesting (coughs) 
can I think like an even more bizarre perspective to put to this is that like Long Island has such like rich environmental history. It does, yeah. Um, like the DDD ban comes from Long Island bird watchers, specifically from specifically from our town, our high school. Yeah, our high school, our local nature preserve. the The bird watchers who brought that to the Supreme Court are Brookhaven bird watchers. Um, the bottle ban in New York comes from these bike trips protests that Long Islanders did. Like even though paper they you have to pay for plastic bags and they rolled that out in Suffolk first. Right. And the now it's gonna go statewide. Yeah. yeah. The organization and that I canvassed for was the organization that actually got that passed. Because and I companies are actually now taking the next like they're taking initiative. Like because of that, like Wegmans is phasing out plastic, plastic. free plastic bags. And now we, you get to pay five cents for a paper bag. We noticed in a part of our, our neighborhood so quote-unquote North Bellport, which is a segregated side, which is low lower income than the ridiculously wealthy side of Bellport, um, that since we graduated high school, which it's been three years, right, we took a drive down... I don't know. Time's a flat circle. <laughs> we took a drive down Charles's old street the other day, um, and almost half of the houses had solar panels. It's just... I actually did this count, so I used to ride my bike up and down that street when I was in high school and when I was in middle school, and there's, I'm trying to remember the exact number, but there's like 40 some odd houses on my street, and when I was in high school, about 10 of them had solar panels on the roof, and when we passed by the other day, it was almost... Almost 30 yeah, of them when we were counting, just driving down the length of it. And it, it was crazy to see the, in the five, six year time difference. That it I makes a huge counts. difference. And I think all hope is not lost for Long Islanders. I think at the end of the day, we care Unless about... the water comes. Yeah, well, yes. But I think at the end of the day, Long Islanders do care about the island. Like, there's, there's nowhere that I've been to has the same kind of pride about Long Island that... Ally like, Strong, baby. Yeah, there, no. There's yeah. a really deep pride, ab- and it's specifically about our natural environment. Yeah. That is c- totally disconnected from the policy. And it's... It's, it's bon- And even, like, the label. Like, the, I feel like I- if you say the word environment... Environmental. Or environmentalist. Yeah. So, like, I remember in high school, like... I was branded as the recycling person. I, I wrote like my the, college essay about being the crazy recycling girl, or like the the like the environmentalist. Like I was people like when people <laughs> would be like, "Oh, Amelia does that." Like and that's it's like you guys freaking grew up, but then you, sailing on and they the get bay. Like, tattoos of Long Island, and you're like, "This what? Huh? It's you." I'm not even. I don't know how to sail a sailboat. You no. wealthy white kids, you're the well, environmentalist. There's, yeah, <laughs> there's two things. It's one. I, I, there's definitely a generational thing where you see older generations having more of a negative connotation for the environment, the environmentalists. I don't. Who I fought, don't who agree. fought to protect? Actually. At least, like for in Suffolk County, or like it's not older own. generations. I think it's our parents' generation. Yeah, it's like I the generation like in between. So there was like an older generation that was yeah hefty and environmentalist that fought to get 
protections for all of the areas for like that workers we appreciate. Too, I think. Yeah. yeah, all the areas that we appreciate now, and then our parents' generation kind of just like took that and like built all of this like ally strong, all this pride for it, and now we're dealing with having it being our generation of environmentalists having to deal with rebranding environmentalism on Long Island as something that's like not partisan not partisan something that's I, more just like yeah. we're we all need the natural environment here not just for its intrinsic value but for economic value that it provides for the island i also think i don't know i don't know if the best like i don't know if i would always define it like via generational divides just because i think it gets like even more complicated than that like i think that there is like a group of people that like because there's a, a while where, like, conservatism, especially, like, on Long Island, I think that, that w- for people what that meant to them was being, like, upstanding. Like, being, like, someone who, like, would serve their family and serve their community. Um, regardless of the fact that it was also, like, there's, like, a, a, a connotation of, like, oppression that is mm-hmm. associated with that. But I think that there was, like, for a lot of, like, of our our parents i think when they came from like these like conservative or even more religious backgrounds for them it like came from being like an upstanding community member and like that's where that like long island strong like thing mm-hmm. comes from but then there's now like there are the it's so partisan in the way we divide up like camps of people that like they can't possibly fathom taking on this like moniker that has been associated with like for them i think like that's associated with like laziness mm-hmm. Because it's, like, you don't work for your stuff. Like, you, like, that, like, I think, like, environmentalism to them is connected to, like, not caring about your family. Yeah. And not caring about your community. And, like, valuing, like, like. It turns into, like, a, why should I care about the environment when I need to, like, concentrate on, like, making sure that my family survives. Exactly. I can't afford to to put a septic, like, to switch over to um, sewers because I need to, like, put food on the table it's yeah. it's so interesting too because i think we're all like when i think about environmentalism and i think about long island like it's like i love this place so much i want public transportation that will help everyone get to jobs and i want yeah. i want um uh, wind turbines that will make all of our energy costs lower and like but it's it, an eyesore <laughs> that but I think, my that beach I think view. Is, I think that's partly the like richer people versus yeah, like, that's like very the that's public. No, that's nimby as hell. Yeah, the yeah. public transportation thing I think is part of that independence thing. Like I think that like some of the resistance to that and and it doesn't happen for everyone, but I think that there's like this. I think it's also partly masculine energy situation where it's like I drive myself to work because I worked for what I got. It's very individual, like individualism based, and it it is a a weird thing that happens here right and instead of it but like for me like yeah my family my community it's like all these things will help us all it'll help yeah lower income neighborhoods it will help food deserts in those neighborhoods it'll help all of that stuff and i I, don't know how to connect those two that's our challenge yeah part of the thing is is that if you look at the history of the island you see long island as is 
kind of the birthplace of that post-World War II American dream. You see suburban with the sprawl. suburban sprawl, the Levitt towns, Robert Moses designing all the parkways and highway systems. And he did like, that in a super racist way, though. Ex- exactly. No, but well, that was you, part of it. it was like ingrained, American like, dream is for white people. Like, yeah, that's and, what it and was. the racism was ingrained in the infrastructure. Like, the yeah. bridges on the parkways are too small for buses. Exactly. So Lower income brown and black people could not access the beaches, and I but think like that's, that's a load of like crap. That's, yes, I don't think that that's necessarily like I think it's like in our biases unconsciously, but I think that like those people who feel this way about like environmentalism, like they feel this way because of like they, the story that they've told themselves and the story that they take on for their family is about being like this like independent person who takes care of their family and is built from nothing. Like that's which goes where it comes back from. to the. To the history of it, where it's, yeah. it, it's this is kind of the birthplace of the modern American dream. That individual going to work at in the morning, being the breadwinner, coming home, supporting your family, and like a having crazy, that picket fence. like almost uh, eighty-five. I don't know the exact statistic, but I'll can drop it in the Show link notes. below. Um, crazy! Uh, almost everyone drives themselves individually to work. Almost everybody. A nightmare, guys. It's a nightmare. It's the worst. I also would like to add that a year ago, last April, Billy Joel personally signed environmental legislation into law. <laughs> Praise be unto him. Praise be Billy Joel. Shouldn't that be uh, legally binding to all Long Islanders? He stood there next <laughs> to Cuomo. Binding. Confused as all the days long. And personally signed a ban on drilling off of our shores. Built, But... Billy Joel, as if he has any legal or government authority. Authority. His name is written on that piece of legislation. (laughs) It's the Billy Joel bill, and everyone was like, "Well, Billy signed it, so um, it's it's the law." We can't disappoint Billy. Forget Cuomo's signature. They were like, "Billy Joel signed it, so." If Long Island was to separate from New York State and become its own state, Billy, Billy Joel, Joel could be the king. He he, <laughs> could, he could run for governor. No, he would just be appointed, appointed king or czar. If, if Long wants, Island fell off of New York and became its own country, Billy would be the czar, and he would just sign into legislation all of the environmental needs, and we would be great. Billy for czar, 2025. Yeah. I want to talk about transportation. So yeah. much. I, I have so much gripe. We, we talked about it kind of a lot already, but I want to like pinpoint a couple of issues that I have with this. Really I'm a commuter too, so I have firsthand experience. You, yeah. The worst experience has always been any of the times that I've driven on and off this island. <laughs> and the history of our transportation systems like our highway system designed by robert moses who we said before was is was super racist and super not didn't have a lot of foresight into it okay so to be fair not to robert moses because like fuck that guy but um to be fair to highways is they were not designed to be this long lasting we should have already fixed it it should be did bad we should have moved on is what we should have done well we just like the <clears throat> the lifetime of infrastructure has been bypassed. It is all of our infrastructure. How many years was the old um, Verrazano Narrows Bridge I overdue? 
a bunch, a like bonk, too many. A bonkers amount. Every like, time you used to ride over that bridge, I'd be like, well, this is the end. Sweet, I, sweet world. That's how I felt before the Tappan Z was rebuilt. That was oh, Tappan yeah. Z. That's the, the one I was... The, the Tappan Z, it, you, you'd, yeah. you'd drive over it on your way upstate, and it would just shake, and you're holding the steering wheel like... Am I gonna die? Like, it was so bad during the destruction. They had to like demolition it, which they don't <coughs> do in New York. They don't just like to do demolition. Goodbye. My roommate, Andrea Oaks, smoking smoking Oaken. smoking Oaken, who is a contributor. To she the pod. is a contributor to the pod. Thank she, you, smoking Oaken. Thank you for the sound. Sponsor us, Andrea. Sponsor us, Andrea. <laughs> but she is a civil engineer. She doesn't really do bridges. She does dirt. But um, she will tell you every time you go on a bridge how long past its life it is it's the worst habit she has i would it's love horrifying. and hate to be with her for a drive you the look on her face on where was she which bridge was she on was she on the the golden gate bridge was that where she was i don't know she's there's a picture of her riding over a bridge on a bike and she's turned around and her t- her sister took the picture and her face is just like the biggest grimace <laughs> i've ever seen and i think she posted it somewhere with like this girl knows how long this bridge <laughs> this has been up for <laughs> oh dear uh so well it's not all bad here on this island i was about to get into trains because like, yeah. trains are good in uh, the liwr the long island railroad has been pretty good so far at like working to update and become I better say, i would say trains i haven't i don't know maybe i'm late to this fun adventure but there's a lady voice and outlets at every seat now yeah that's awesome i'm into it i mean i think it's still Hmm. not as good as it could be and there are rooms for improvement but like i so when we went to school i was talking to a friend and i was saying like oh like you just take the train and she was like i have never been on a train before and i was like what i have (laughs) a friend from never been on a train before florida i think it's i think it's my friend from florida yeah she had never been on a train um, prior to college, because they just don't have. Trains she took in a train Florida. like with her grandparents, like across Canada, and she was like, "That was my first time," and I was like, "Excuse me." And and we're pretty lucky to have. We're so lucky. I would say the, we're blessed. These the, the, the infrastructure system. in New York is one of the. It's not like the, the best MTA anymore. is a disaster, but it still goes. Yeah. Like you can it still would be get lovely places. if the train. I think the train does. A, the the lore the L I R R lore does a really good job of getting you from Long Island to New York, like from and New that's York. It. That, that's that, it. That's yeah. it. It does not do a good job at getting you around Long Island. That's um, true. It doesn't really. I don't think that's what its purpose is. But it would be lovely if it could. Well, that, and that's getting into like, and when we're talking about like all the transportation issues with Long Island, I want to like reiterate that. Long Island is like an odd microcosm of the entire United States where it's we have issues that are blatantly obvious that are seen across the entire country. So our transportation problems are like not specific to the islands. Like highways are a problem across the country. Yeah, in in its own way. Like the island is long and people are... (laughs) More, <laughs> long, are a good more people are more moving people are east west away yeah. than, than they, they are, are moving north south. So it, yeah. like, in designing a system, obviously it makes sense to just make it long, long. <laughs> but it, and that's like something that I think is really unique to like just Long Island in that like long. Because, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that it was designed initially to, to bring people to the city where everything was based off, but the economy shifted yeah. in mm-hmm. that everybody doesn't commute to the city. I mean, people commute to the city and, uh, uh, fr- and mass. I took yesterday, I took an off peak 
packed train. It was off peak, mm-hmm. and there was there was like barely standing room. Yeah, if it's the one, if it's like you're on the off peak, just after the morning rush, or just before, or just the before the I was on the one. one. I was on the second to the before the the. Last you're still. One. It's like people there are people who like work in the city who like request in their work contracts to like have different start times. Because yeah, I have, have flex the, hours because yeah, of that. Because like commuting on the island has become such a. There's so many people that have to be moved around, and that's where I think like one of the my biggest issues with like transportation systems on the island is that. Like you said, it's like it just hasn't been well, updated, I can't, and it's time for updates. From my apartment in Queens, I can't get to my job reasonably without driving. Right. Yeah, you would have to go to Penn Station, I would have to, or I would either have oh. to go to Penn Station what? Atlantic, or I would have to take like a bus to Forest Hills or Jamaica, and then take Jamaica to somewhere else. But mm-hmm. it would be so. It would turn your it would turn my, uh, my 45-minute commute to, like, a two-and-a-half-hour commute, which so is insane. And we've started to see, I mean, there's the, the town that we kind of half grew up in that was next to where we grew up, Patrog, is starting to grow. And there's a lot of towns that are, like, along railroad hubs that are yeah. starting to become pretty big. And it's been interesting to see that the way that, like, they address connecting to each other. And they've this also the addressed... Babylon. They've also been good about Isn't addressing the their is? overall, oh. like infrastructure Mm -hmm. like i think places that are thinking forward in that way where you're like this is close to a train station people can get here are also like now we should also invest in our infrastructure and make them want to stay here i saw a tweet the other day Mm -hmm. that said for uh sleep paralysis except it's just this is the train to hong kong come up (laughs) over and over again So That's positive things. Uh, speaking of, we mentioned Long Island's economy. Um, the Brookhaven National Lab oh, is yeah. just got a massive. Our mommy works there. Our mom works there. She's so cool. She got her MBA there. It's awesome. Um, she got her MBA at Stony Brook, but yeah, she got but it through, she got there. through the lab, and she's great. Um, go mom. Go mom. Subtle mom brag. Yeah, not subtle. That's um, I'm never subtle about mom. <laughs> Big <laughs> flex. Sh- the, they just got a massive federal grant to do a build an el- an electron ion and collider. it's creating like literally a thousand jobs and then not just within the lab but once there's a thousand jobs being created it's like the local economy boom is gonna be Nuts. and that's a it's a Nuts federal out. lab so like it's it's got implications for revitalization that are not just like localized like you can mm-hmm. bring in like scientists and like i think so the brookhaven national lab like is a department of energy laboratory and there is it's where stranger things took place no it's not that's montauk you're wrong <laughs> it's close um that, the next stop on the l-i-double-r uh but they uh like that it's like a science like it's a, a basically a physics mm-hmm. laboratory mm-hmm. Uh, they do other things but it is primarily physics and the, like, the, I think for a long time there hasn't been a ton of, like, investment in our laboratories. And, like, th- the idea that you could bring in people from, like, everywhere and, like, scientists who are doing really cool things. And then, like, from there, like, they do all of their own, like, water treatment there. So, like, then you need more water infrastructure. And, like, that's a huge amount of economy boost. And, like, you can start making those places, like, the center for, like, cool sustainability stuff for in economics there's like the multiplier effect for every like one 
typically it's talked about with like when you when like automakers would get rid of a factory how many jobs would be impacted so it's like for every one science job how many service jobs are needed how many restaurant jobs how many teachers are needed to take care of the kids of of the scientists who mm -hmm. are going to be living there for the next decade and then job of for so on and so forth spouse and then the Mm -hmm. or the partners or the families who do the shopping and Mm -hmm. yeah and with that it's with that multiplier effect it's putting the lab in a position which currently BNL doesn't have an LIRR train stop. It's true. And so it's in a position now where it's like there's some sort of infrastructure change that needs to be made transportation-wise, housing-wise, uh, just across the highway from the lab. Uh, highway is generous. <laughs> it's Four-lane road. It's, a, Large road. it's called a parkway, which I still... Parkway for people is an East Coast word. It doesn't. You you drive on the parkway and you park in your driveway, and I that's the hill I'm willing to die on because I don't like that. Is it, what's your opinion on? It? <laughs> you yeah, you got to make it. That's the hill I'm willing to die yeah. on. That's it. There's no opinion. No, I'm just gonna it's, die. no it's, the, it's the those are. <laughs> I'm yeah, just dying. Just, that dying. is the hill because it confuses me, and I don't have I I don't have enough to make an opinion because it's so confusing, and I don't get why. If someone can explain why, please let me know. But they're building houses on the English other side is of a the fuck. roads. Huh? English is a fuck. <laughs> English is fucked. No, no, no. Is a fuck. Why? <laughs> get it right, get it straight. What if we brought back the streetcar? Toot toot. I fucking love streetcars. They're so there's, cool. There's like one streetcar awesome. in DC, and Charles is always like, Can we go? Can we, can we go see the streetcar? Where are we? Oh, Germany, we were on streetcars. Yes, they Those have. were fun. There's we ones accidentally, in the lawn too. Uh, moving, when we were going from uh, Zurich to um, Innsbruck, we took like four trains, and one of them was a streetcar. Okay, traveling through, boys. Through, uh, yeah, through, through, what was a teeny tiny country? Uh, Liechtenstein. Yes. Liechtenstein. We took a local train. We were very, very in Liechtenstein, and we stopped, and the doors open, and there was dirt. Like, <laughs> literal dirt. And we were like, uh-oh. <laughs> Not our stop. Yeah. Anyway, back so, to streetcars. Yeah. It would be really cool. Yeah, we were talking about this just this morning, about how cool it would be if there's a train... An LIRR stop just south of the lab in, in Mastic Shirley. Mastic Shirley. Shirley Bay. If that were to become like the Ronkonkoma sized hub. Do you know it would be really, really sweet? If they just built a new line? No, yes. Oh. But also if they um, made it so people could get bust or streetcar to the water. From there, that yes. would be awesome. just extend the line up and down, just passing it back exactly. And forth. Just make it perfect. And this no way, is, no one would have to park. Down this by is the water. a less runoff. This is a thought mm-hmm. I've had for a bunch of the stops. Like the Patchogue station could really use this. Yeah, if you well, were you could to just make the north south lines ex- streetcars exactly Getting very just specific for people who aren't from. We, Island, I can post, I'll put a map, yeah. a link to a map in the show notes so uh, you can understand the towns, but we're also like. About. It, Basically, the the thing, the biggest like issue with the Long Island Railroad, because we were talking about it before, is that like all of the lines go east west. Mm-hmm. So for people who actually live here, it's really hard to access north south transportation without mm-hmm. being in a car. You there are buses, but they are 
horrible and they don't come often enough and they aren't practical enough for people exactly. who need them. And they're if confusing. You, they're, they're so confusing, confusing for people who haven't used them. Yeah. But yeah. I know that they are a, an absolutely necessity. Oh, yeah. For especially a lot of people in Nassau County. They're, they're I'm a, a necessity. And I don't think that we should like get rid of them. I think that we, we should, should just make them, them better. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. But it's like you, with the Long Island could use to benefit. And I think that this BNL investment is going to be a good primer for an area that's farther out on the East end mm-hmm. uh, to have some infrastructure investment and have like growth and like options that'll kind of precipitate backwards yeah. West towards like the areas that have already started to see this growth. One other little thing is something that I'm kind of tired of hearing about when we talk about public infrastructure. I'm really tired of tech bros trying to reinvent a train. Like, we have the technology, just use it. Like, we don't need, like... How do you reinvent a train? What, what do you do? The <laughs> self-driving car is a train for one rich person. I'm going <laughs> to say it once. I've said it again. I don't I hate them. I think they're stupid. I just think we should get rid of cars. We don't need a self-driving just one. Just pay for the really expensive room on the Amtrak if you want to be by yourself that badly. It's a train for the rich. That's what a self-driving car is. It's buy a train two for the rich. seats. Motherfuckers, I feel so strongly your, about this. When you're on the LA Double R, just put a bag next to you. That's, that's rude. F- Don't that's do that. That's a dick Don't move. Do Don't that. do that. Not on the LA Double R. <laughs> Whoa! It was a joke. People yeah, no, we don't joke around we about all that. Got when, so mad. when I paid fifteen dollars to get to Manhattan and I can't sit, <laughs> I we need more trains. We need more trains. <laughs> okay, this was anyway, a great no, train complaining session. Let's but talk a little bit. There's a bunch of awesome stuff yeah. about Long Island. There are good things. Rattle the them off. The moms. Let's go back to the moms. The moms. The, moms. the pasta. But the our mom, specifically, not to brag about our mom again, but again. our mom, mom brag, mom, mom brag. But when we were little, like, she was like, and our parents did Does this everyone too. know that Amelia and I are sisters? Oh. Yeah, that should be. Yeah, Amelia and Abby are sisters. I feel like they could probably tell just by the way we Our speak. voices are exactly the same. Also, I think we're going to make a podcast in the podcast, and it's called Mom Brag. And it's just <laughs> Amelia <laughs> and Abby talking about Allison. So we remember that later. <laughs> podcast within a podcast. This is Mom Brag. I'm looking for more content. Content is king, so, so I'll produce it. Um, with, you know, I got tr- oh, this no, episode so of Mom Brag. In this episode of Mom Brag. But our... So our mom, when we were little, were, was basically, like, so encouraging of us, like, being outside and touching bugs and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, like, mm. we... Protein. Protein, yeah. But, uh, but okay. I, I used to that tie worms like, around my wrists because I didn't know they were animals. And then, she, <laughs> then she got learned that it was I was taught that it is a live creature, not a plant. And I think that there's, like, a certain amount of, like, deep-seated <laughs> fear world, with buggies and stuff. That comes from parents. Like, that's an entirely, like, a learned fear. Yeah, and I don't think, like, we grew up in a house where, like, I mean, she was, like, we weren't allowed to eat pomegranates inside because they stay in the walls. But, like, Uh, and we learned, we one time threw pomegranates (laughs) at the wall and it stained the wall. And that was on us. But I was Since then you had to always, she'd put you outside. Yeah, we're both, we were were well into our... We're like still not years. allowed to eat pomegranates. We are, inside. but it has to be at the table, <laughs> and it has to be on a paper towel. Um, but I'm 23. <laughs> it was like getting dirty was like encouraged, very much allowed. And, and it was, I would people would be like, "She's in her school clothes," and my mom would be like, "They're all clothes." <laughs> um, not. And then you had to take the shoes off and the dirty clothes off outside and be hosed down yeah. before you came into the house. But like, it we never got in trouble for no. getting messy, like. 
and I think that, I mean, we just had this, like, woods behind our house that was our playground, playground, and we were building fairy houses and digging in the dirt and rolling around. We literally went to bug Bug camp, camp. and there was a day. Wildlife nature preserve. Sponsor us. They, there was a day. Definitely can't. Um called the secret mud trail and we would go mud trail. off the trail the um guided guided obviously by our counselor no you're just gonna let a bunch of kids run free through the woods Basically. i'll get through that in a second um and we would go through this trail and it was like waist deep through mud to these get to trees. these endangered trees that only grow specifically this is so crunchy. Um, and this part of Long them. Island, and we would hug them and thank them and thank them for being there, and then we'd have a mud fight and we'd go home. It was glorious, and everyone, everyone's moms would bring and dads, but mostly moms because it's Long Island. But everyone's parents would bring um, trash trash bags. bags and just wrap their kids in trash bags and then drive <laughs> them home. And we used to go into the lake, and you would stand in the middle, and everyone would splash you to get the mud off of you. Yeah. This is a true story. But then That's also amazing. at that camp, so it was like just a f- like a five day day camp. But the mm-hmm. last day when you were older, you got to sleep over there overnight. And oh, that's wicked. It was super wicked. And we had, like, campfire, and there was tents. Like, it was very fun. You stayed up all night. You didn't sleep. That was a misnomer. But one of the things you had to do was we went on, a, oh, yeah. like, a night walk. And what they would do is they'd place one cancer, like, with the ki- with all the children. And the other one would walk down to a certain place. And you would go by yourself through the woods. In the dark? In the dark. to And this was part about learning about your environment. And they were like, nothing on Long Island is going to hurt you in this woods in the dark. This They're like, this is not the same for everywhere, but like you should know your environment to know what's okay and like to connect with nature. It was the scariest shit I have ever done. It was a, it was probably maybe like a five minute walk. Not even. It was, it was so short. But it felt like you were walking by yourself in the woods for an hour. Did you have a headlamp? Like no, was no, there it light? Was dark. It was dark. for you. You let you, you would not have a light. You would get, your eyes would get adjusted. We yeah. were already at the part where your eyes were adjusted ah. and then you'd walk And down you're on a trail counselor. and you'd walk to the next counselor and it was like silence and you like listened, listened and nice. heard all the cicadas and the animals and it was now that's fucking a terrifying that sounds like some creepy long island cult shit that sounds culty <laughs> cult. as fuck i but think it was so helpful though to like no, I, mean, I mean it yeah. was it was like i like i i was i could hear my heartbeat like it was so scary but it was like so good to and you're like, like 11 to, yeah and they're like go walk I, by yourself and you're like i'm gonna poop my pants and they're like i don't care you're i'm already in high school because your counselors are also like high schoolers yeah some yeah. of them were older but and college kids <clears> but I had kind of a different experience with, like, the environment and growing up on Long Island. Um, a lot of it has to do with my grandfather and, like, the fact that he was, like, an avid birder on the island. Mm-hmm. And, um, a photographer. Yes, he was a photographer, too. He has some great pictures. He and my grandmother would travel all over the place in His our, grandmother, our houses. There it was. You heard him. Caught. 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 They caught me. Um, but uh, him and my grandmother used to um, travel the world and like go take photographs of all sorts of really cool places, and um, he would do that on Long Island, and that was something that he would like do with me, and that we would like go do. We would go to the Jamaica Bay um, uh, Nature Preserve, which is a massive nature preserve, literally like underneath Queens, like it's mm-hmm. a part of the borough of Queens, and uh, we uh, there was also a like full on bird colony in like right on the shoreline 
of the beach that I like would go to as a kid, which is on Long Beach. It's over on the Lido Beach end of Long Beach, and there was like there were uh, uh, skimmer colonies, there were lesser turn colonies, and over the years, um, a greater turn colony um, formed in that area. And it was neat to like see, like as I was growing up, and the more birds that got more comfortable with like being back on the island, and they were being more established, and they were like flourishing as they would literally take back more beach because the, they would, mm. like, cordon off the colonies. And, like, they didn't need the ropes because the birds would defend the colony. Mm-hmm. But um, it was neat to see every year how much larger the roped-off section would get. And it's always funny to see some idiot kids try to, like, harass the birds and they get dive-bombed by, like, 50 turns <laughs> that are, like, actively pooping on them. I still argue that birds are not real, and that is the second hill. That I would die on. The birds work for the bourgeoisie. Okay, that's he not a hill I will die on. That. <laughs> that's not a hill. Just no. for the record, I don't like birds. Uh, okay, that's a strong sentence. Whoa, um, what do they do to you? I think birds are, bird are up to something. I like birds of prey, but other ones, I don't not like them. I just don't really like. I, I don't trust the seagull as far as I can throw I it. Want the them birds work for the bourgeoisie. E- either way, the bir- like birding in Long Island was like a-, a very important thing for me growing up with my grandfather, and like he like that's also how I kind of got into photography, which ended up being like one of my majors in college. Like I'm getting a whole degree in what is basically boiled down to fancy photography. Okay. We also have a national seashore. Go ahead. Do you see seagulls in Buffalo a lot? They're not called seagulls. Just goals. They're goals. You, you see a lot of goals. There goals. Well, there's, there's a goals. giant lake there. Okay, okay. They're not out of habitat. Okay. They are I, waterfowl. We have well, not a, waterfowl, a, but a striking difference in the anger level of the goals on Long Island versus the goals in Plattsburgh. <laughs> I think the goals they, on what, Long have Island. You tested this? Will, have no, you no, no, no. Like, I've just noticed this because I sit by the uh, Plattsburgh's on Lake Champlain, and I like sit by the lake, and I like you know watch the birds. I sit there sometimes, and. They're like, not. I feel like when I'm on Long Island, like a seagull's gonna come and it's gonna just like take my sandwich from me. Oh, for sure. Seagulls, if you're at the beach and you can put the in a zipped freaking cooler, they will unzip your backpack. They're like, no, 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 for me. Go into your backpack, grab your sandwich, grab your bagel, be on their day. And leave you with Seagulls nothing. Seagulls can't They're hang. The fuck. other birds, they can <laughs> hang. <laughs> I, Amelia and I also have a really cool experience speaking of the beach. Beach, beach, let's we both away. volunteered. Amelia started it. She's older. Um, yeah, I was trendsetter. Born. I was born first. It's not anyone's fault. She this started. This is exposition for our characters. Um, it's character building. We both volunteered with the National Park Service on Fire Island National Seashore, which mm-hmm. I think was a really formative, formative. Yeah, a really formative experience. I mean, I wrote part of my college essay, one of my supplemental essays about the southern pine beetle, which um, is an invasive species. That of son of a bitch. Yeah, it's a son of a... I'd son say a that motherfucking beetle. beetle. Is it, it's invasive and... Um, Destructive. There's a word. Because you know how there's like a word for like... There's like <coughs> alien species, invasive mm-hmm. species. Invasive implies that it's it's... Negatively instructive. It's invasive and non-native. Yeah. And there's a um, there is a, it's not like proven, but the southern pine beetle is moving up from the south, therefore indicating it is moving because of climate change. Because our climate can now handle them, it's warm enough for them. Um, 
but our there's no we don't have any defense our natural environment doesn't have any defense and what the southern pine beetle does is it basically just gets under the bark of pine trees um and shoots out little like popcorn juice in there what? and absolutely yeah it's like sap and then it it no, the tree has the sap. Yeah, 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 but then it turns into like popcorns because the beetle will like drill in to the sap. It like poisons the trees. It poisons the trees, and absolutely like has demolished a lot of our pine barrens. Um, and I worked on that over the summer, and that was a really rough experience because the only solution that we have at this point is to clear cut. Yeah, and kill the beetles by clear cutting the trees. So. I spent a lot of days just, like, marking trees to be cut down in places where I had grown up, like, spending time in the forest. You did that with the NPS? Yeah, with the Park Service. I, so, the reason I started volunteering was I took a class in high school uh, called about Scientific <laughs> Research. Um, oh, yeah. Corbs. Sponsor us, Corbs. <laughs> wherein I, um, it was, I took it for three years, and for three years I essentially did a like peer-reviewed journal study on deer overpopulation on Long Island. And, so well, I, I applied it specifically to Long Island, but I read studies for, from all over the country and all over the world. I probably have read like a hundred studies about deer overpopulation, both impact and solution. <clears throat> um, and so then I, for like practical value, worked with the Park Service um, where I was uh they for two things i did um more tree surveying so i I, you did more like stuff for like specifically pine stuff but i was in my i did deer in when i was earlier and veg and then my last summer i did a lot of beetle stuff yeah so they were doing a huge so i think they did like basically the the beginnings that you like followed up on Mm -hmm. what i was working on but what i was working on was they had there's this part of the Fireland National Seashore that's not on the beach. It's in, it's like on the mainland. Um, it's a uh, never been developed piece of land, so it's it's completely um, tick tracks. It's yeah, it's covered in ticks. The William Floyd Estate. Yeah, the William Floyd Estate. <laughs> I've laid on the ground there before. <sighs> Why? In the Tyvek suits, doing oh, yeah. uh, like categorizing like low. Oh, okay, vegetation. yeah. So, so I did, I did that where I was doing tree surveying there, um, where you basically just like count the different kinds of trees. And the reason they were doing that was to see they had data from like, uh, like a, they've had like continuous data on it to see the impact of deer vegetation, like deer like actually eating vegetation on forest content, and like what deer preferenced over other things. Um, and then I also did vegetation surveying on the actual seashore to see the effects of, of erosion and water movement. One time I was telling my therapist about um, about my work. I was just explaining it to her. We were chatting. And I was saying how, like, one of the solutions to deer overpopulation is that, like, people oh, yeah. talk about <laughs> is, like, literally, like, shooting them with, like, darts that have birth control in them. Yeah. Um, and she was like, that's amazing. I'm just going to stand out high outside of high schools with that shit and she was like i'll be like pew pew holding hands pew pew and just shoot teenagers with birth control darts <laughs> and that's my favorite thing that anyone's ever my, said my favorite solution for the deer population problem is to hunt them yeah and give the food 
to communities and to like local butcher shops so they can like yeah. feed people. I have a big misconception sometimes with environmentalism, especially with overpopulations. People have a tendency to be afraid of calling. Yeah. Yeah, there and was like they would rather let the deer population literally suffer and starve to death than have a healthy, stable population. That's like a huge problem here. There too. were actually like protests when uh, NPS did callings, and people were like, "You're killing Bambi." Looking at you, vegans. Um, and they're like, "You're killing." Bambi. And we were like, "No, you're killing Bambi," because they're like feeding Bambi, and then Bambi's becoming like not able to fend for itself. Slash, and also wild. the biggest death of deer is cars. And vehicle yeah. collisions. And then they're just like malnourished and dying of starvation or yeah. getting hit by cars. It, their population is wildly out of whack. And it's and our we fault no longer time. have any predators on the island. So well, like that's the why. only thing that kills Except deer. Except us. Well, well, no, the only thing that we kills are deer. Are no, cars. We're not even, are, are cars and starvation. So yeah. we. The, well, this is fun. The deer population specifically on the island. But also this is a thing that happened in a lot of places was when like. Basically, European colonizers were came because native people could keep their deer in check. Um, they had it together. With they the got deer. it together. But when European colonizers came, the population of deer almost died out because no self control at all, just none. And then we were like, "Ah, oh, fuck, gotta fix that." And there were a lot of protections in place for deer. And then they were like. These predators are scary. Get them the heck out of here. And then the deer were like... (laughs) And then they just... (laughs) Their population has boomed for years. And now it's just suffering. Our mom is on like a constant vendetta against the deer. She calls them rats with long legs. Because they eat all of her vegetables. And something that she does, uh, which is really fun, and what Millie and I used to have to do as a chore, was to (laughs) spray our property with this stuff. Nast with this stuff and it was coyote urine scented spray spray so it to keep the deer away and then our called liquid forbidden drink and our property would just smell like coyote pee reek of coyote pee it's built in our car and my car smelled on her head i don't know why my mom was like willy-nilly with this coyote pee letting it spill (laughs) everywhere but that's something we did (laughs) willy-nilly Forbidden Marg mix. But nasty, Justin. Um, but yeah, so that that's like, there's just like a huge, I mean, and like, there's a lot of like, I, I think that the environmental concerns that are here are both unique and not unique at the same time. Like, they're reflective of everywhere. They're mm-hmm. the same, like, just small problems that have built up for a really long time. And, and I think being on an island, like, you, it's easier to see it because mm-hmm. it's like a self-contained unit. I also think that the impact sometimes is larger because it's such a high population density here that people feel mm-hmm. it fast. People feel it faster and like people notice things faster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean and there's I, less places to go. And in within my lifetime I have seen progress. Like the sheer number of ospreys that have returned to Long Island since the DDT ban has been phenomenal. Like they're phenomenal. they're phenomenal. They are a regular occurrence. Like you cannot drive along the South Shore along mm-hmm. the Barrier Islands without seeing osprey nests everywhere. And we have um we have eagles now too. Yeah, like eagles a pretty decent eagle population. And yeah. we're finally getting whales in our um in in the Where off the coast. They're, yeah. they're, mm-hmm. they're coming back because it's no longer a horrible yes. place to live. And I there's a baby shark nursery in our bay. Which you accidentally found. One time I ac- 
Side note, little story. One time I was kayaking by myself, no life jacket on, and I kayaked out of the river into the bay because it was a clear, beautiful day, and I kayaked into a school of baby sharks. The baby end. Baby shark. Shark, shark, shark. I think Long Island is <laughs> in a place um, where we can, in the next, like, 10 years, be at the forefront of, like, really good economic and environmental progress. And I think and we that's can, super exciting. I think we can Unless prove, it goes underwater. I think we can prove that, like... It's possible. It's possible to have this this upsurge of science and science driven economies and environmental legislation that works for everyone who lives here. I also think that there was something that happened like I remember when I was in high school, like even before you guys, like when I was working with SEQ people and we were doing SEQ stuff, like we were like a small club doing our thing like trying to get stuff done and even the people who weren't involved in SAQ who aren't like weren't like the people who were like environmental people now like I see them on like the internet and they're like charged up about environmental stuff like they're people who were just super like not they didn't care about it in high school but like the way the world has worked now like they care about it and I'm hoping yes. that in these like coming elections and stuff there is a vote of conscious about that kind of thing like those people who weren't necessarily involved when we were younger are now like voting people and care and i think that people who i hope and i have hope that people who are so connected to their natural environment feel the effects of climate yeah there's a lot of erosion which is partially very natural but it's, it is being accelerated. It's being accelerated, and there's storms, and I think that people who are feel so connected to their natural environment will vote with those feelings. I also think, I think that, like, our job, or, like, people who are in the environmental field, like, people who are, like, really involved, like, what our job is, for places like Long Island, is to be able to summarize those thoughts in a way that, like, doesn't necessarily immediately tick off the environmental like that trigger that happens mm-hmm. where they're like that Ticks word intended. freaks that out <laughs> um freaks them out like our job is to be able to communicate that in a way that is like oh i understand this and i want to be a part of it and for those communities that are struggling too like those low-income yeah. neighborhoods like it's harder when you are working two jobs and you can't go to board meetings and you don't give yeah. a shit about if you can go to the beach or not because who has time to go to the beach who can afford to go to the beach who can kidding? afford to go to the yeah. beach because you work on the weekends and like but it's not just about like going to the beach it's about no, no, no. like having transportation that is clean water. cheaper and water that is clean, clean and air that is clean grocery yeah. stores that are local and closer yeah. and affordable and like all of those are environmental issues oh yeah and they're, uh, they're all sustainability issues yeah. like creating sustainable communities isn't about i always i always find this frustrating because we have like a sustainability committee at work and they're always like paper and i'm like there's like lots that we could be doing we could be making like more sustainable work days like you should be talking mo- more about everything and less just about like waste and products. the immediate yeah 
I want to thank you all for potting with Aww, us today. I wanted to say it. Oh, you can say it. I would like to thank you all for potting. <laughs> no, I would like to thank you for inviting me to pod. Yeah. Thanks for potting with us today, guys. Of course. Anytime, except for from like 7.30 to 5.36, because I have work. <laughs> for season two, you're welcome back anytime. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to another episode of Pod for the Planet. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating and a comment with your thoughts. That's the best way to help us get heard by more people. If you really enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends on social media and tag us at Pod for the Planet. See you next time.